0: Manifesto, The Mad Farmer Liberation Front by Wendell Berry. Love the quick profit, the annual raise, vacation with pay. Want more of everything ready made. Be afraid to know your neighbors and to die, and you will have a window in your head. Not even your future will be a mystery anymore. Your mind will be punched in a card and shut away in a little drawer. When they want you to buy something, they will call you. When they want you to die for profit, they will let you know. So, friends, every day do something that won't compute. Love the Lord, love the world. Work for nothing, take all that you have and be poor, love someone who does not deserve it, denounce the government and embrace the flag, hope to live in that free republic for which it stands, give your approval to all you cannot understand. Praise ignorance, for what man has not encountered, he has not destroyed. Ask the questions that have no answers. Invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias. Say that your main crop is the forest that you did not plant, that you will not live to harvest. Say that the leaves are harvested when they have rotted into the mold. Call that prophet. Prophecy such returns. Put your faith in the two inches of humus that will build under the trees every thousand years. Listen to carrion. Put your ear close and hear the faint chattering of the songs that are to come. Expect the end of the world. Laugh. Laughter is immeasurable. Be joyful, though you have considered all the facts. So long as women do not go cheap for power, please women more than men. Ask yourself will this satisfy a woman satisfied to bear a child? Will this disturb the sleep of a woman near to giving birth? Go with your love to the fields, lie down in the shade. Rest your head in her lap. Swear allegiance to what is nighest your thoughts. As soon as the generals and the politicos can predict the motions of your mind, lose it. Leave it as a sign to mark the false trail, the way you didn't go. Be like the fox who makes more tracks than necessary, some in the wrong direction. Practice Resurrection. Out of God's Hat by Hafez. The stars got poured into the sky out of a magician's hat last night, and all of them have fallen into my hair. Some have even tangled my eyelashes into luminous, playful knots. Wayfarer, you are welcome to cut a radiant tress that lies upon, lays upon my shoulders. Wrap it around your trembling heart and body that craves divine comfort and warmth. I am like a pitcher of milk in the hands of a mother who loves you. All my contents now have been churned into dancing suns and moons. Lean your sweet neck and mouth out of that darkness where you hid. I will pour effulgence into your mind. Come spring, you can find me rolling in fields that are exploding in holy battles. Of sense of sounds, everything is a brilliant colored nova on a stem. Forest animals hear me laughing and surrender their deepest instincts and fears. They come charging into meadows to lick my hands and face. This makes me so happy, I become so happy, that my rising wink turns into a magic baton. When my soft-eyed creatures see that wonderful signal, we all burst into singing and make strange and primal, beautiful sounds. My only regret in this world then becomes that your shyness keeps you from placing your starving body against God and seeing the beloved become so pleased with your courage that his belly begins to rock and rock, that more planets get to leap onto the welcome mat of existence, all because of your precious love. The friend has turned my verse into sacred pollen. When a breeze comes by, Falcons and butterflies and playful bands of angels mounted on emerald spears. Take flight from me like a great sandstorm that can blind you to all but the truth. Dear one, even if you have no net to catch Venus, my music will circle this earth for hundreds of years and fall like resplendent debris, holy seed onto a fertile woman. For Hafez wants to help you laugh at your every desire. Hafez wants you to know your life within God's arms, your dance within God's arms is already perfect.
1: To Live in the Longing by Steve Garness Holmes you who live temperate zones who haven't lived through these months here of cold shoveling snow shoveling more snow living in box canyons of snow under worried roofs dripping walls chipping ice walking stiff kneed on ice dressing complicatedly for every sojourn the layers the precautions things matted frozen shut. The dark skies, skies continually falling, dark. If you haven't looked out windows, trying to remember what a yard looks like, trying to guess where the ground is, longing for green, longing for smells, longing to walk across grass, to be outside, and not hurt, longing for something to be easy. Do you know this yearning? For light, for warmth, for beauty, for release. Do you know this ache? I believe you know it, with or without the metaphor in your yard. It's the ache for the new world, for the old life to close its winter eye, for the ice grave to crack wide open, for your true self to walk toward you out of the darkness. It's the ache for freedom, the long, dark ache for Easter. It's not a bad thing to live in the longing, with even grace, not merely laid at your feet, yet not of your doing, but purely gift, to know you are waiting and what you are hungry for, and how deep is your longing and that it is coming. Today is the first day of spring. The forecast is for snow. I am filled with hope. Children Widen the Circle of Our Being by Gary Kowalski Children Widen the Circle of Our Being in ways that are limitless. Every baby that's born connects us to our history, our own parents, grandparents, and unknown forebears who brought new life to the world in each successive generation. Every baby that's born links us to the future, to a world yet to come, that belongs to our descendants and that we hold in trust for our posterity whom we will never know. Each child connects us to nature, to the innocence and exuberance of a world always hatching newborns, kittens and pups and lambs and babes. Each child reminds us of the kinship we share with people of other lands and races who love their young as purely and tenderly as we do. Each child connects us to the universe, to the holy mysteries of birth and death and becoming from which we all emerge. Children widen the circle of our being in ways that are limitless. A celebration of Eastertide. Winter and the tomb. The story of winter. In a small galaxy in a far corner of the universe, There is a tiny ball of water and rock that is spinning around its own axis once every day and around its sun at approximately 66,000 miles per hour, taking a full year to complete its course. This is where we live, the Earth, third planet from the sun. Roughly four and a half billion years ago, the Earth and her neighbors came into existence from within the swirling stellar stew caused by the supernova of the primal star of Tiamat. It took nearly two billion years for the land masses to stabilize, and the first eukaryotic cell, one with a membrane and a nucleus, and chromosomes with DNA, the ancestor of all forms of advanced life, did not emerge for another 500 million years. Over the next one and a half billion years, there arose a great diversity of life, nearly 90% of which were destroyed during the Cambrian extinctions of 570 million years ago. It is around this time that the Earth's axis stabilizes at its current 23 and degrees. We are part of a story that is older than we can imagine. Because the Earth spins on a slightly tilted axis, for part of the year, the northern half of the globe is closer to the sun. And for half of the year, it's the southern hemisphere that receives the extra warmth of more direct sunshine. Whatever part is farther away experiences winter. This shift from summer through fall to winter and from winter through spring back to summer has been going on for nearly half a billion years. Leaves have changed colors and dropped from the trees. Warm days and cool nights have given way to cold days and even colder nights. Plants die or close in on themselves. The ground hardens. The air dries out. Snow falls and covers the grasses, the rocks, everything. Streams and ponds freeze solid, and even the larger rivers and lakes hide their movement in the depths, beneath a layer of frozen stillness. It's as if nothing grows, nothing moves. In the animal realm, many species of birds some bats and animals like caribou, elk, and even whales have become, begun traveling to warmer climes. Squirrels, mice, and beavers start eating the extra food they gathered and stored in the fall, expending their energy on staying warm rather than the now futile effort at foraging. Bears, skunks, chipmunks, some fish frogs, snakes, and turtles hibernate or grow dormant, going within themselves, essentially shutting down. And that is how humans experience this time of year, since our emergence on the Earth, some two and a half million years ago, until relatively recently, when we mastered the science of creating artificial environments in our climate-controlled homes and workplaces. Still, In ourselves, we remember. Short days and long nights encourage us to slow down. We, too, tend to fold inward, to mirror the stillness of the world around us. The story of Jesus. There once was a little boy born to poor parents from an oppressed people in a tiny backwater village from which no one thought any good could come. Not much is known about his early years, except that he was sharp of mind and large of heart, and increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. It seems likely that he took seriously the religion of his people, so seriously that it set him apart from his earliest days. As a young man, he began to preach and teach and heal, He taught that all people are God's children and that it doesn't matter who you are or what you do, God loves you anyway and will embrace you with joy if you'll only turn toward that love. It is said that this boy, known in his day as Yeshua, was so filled with this love that when he spoke, it was as if God were speaking. And when you looked on him, it was as if you were looking at God face to face crowds began to gather around him crowds mostly of the poor the disconsolate the outcast those whom others deemed unworthy a community grew a community with a welcome more wide and more deep than anyone had known before even some of the scholars and the priests and the well to do found a home within the itinerant band that followed this wandering preacher and healer. Whenever the crowds learned where he was, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. He taught that God's kingdom was not some far-off dream to be yearned for, but something real within and around each of us, that it was something to be worked for. He taught that each of us with faith could move mountains and that if you bring forth what is within you, what is within you will save you. He taught that love of God and love of neighbor are inextricably intertwined and that pious words alone are worth nothing. None of these teachings were well received by the authorities, of course, neither the religious authorities nor the authorities of the state who heard in his description of the kingdom of God a decidedly negative comparison with the kingdom of Caesar. Such radical egalitarianism was a threat to the status quo, and the growing crowds were worrisome too. And so Jesus was arrested, tried, and sentenced to die. On Friday evening, he was taken out, publicly humiliated and brutally flogged. And brought outside the city walls to be nailed to a cross. The crowds who had so recently invoked hymns now hurled invectives. His closest companions abandoned him and hid in fear. Yet even in the face of all this, he refused to return evil for evil. Offering only love as he had all his life. Praying to God from the cross for forgiveness on behalf of those who did these things. In time and in agony, Jesus died. His disciples removed his body from the cross and placed it in a stone tomb. But as the Sabbath was beginning, they could not properly prepare the body for burial. A stone was rolled in front of the entrance, and this man in whom so many had seen God was gone. The light of the world was snuffed out, and those who knew him were bereft the story of our lives. The story has been told in so many ways. The story of the seasonal cycle from springtime to autumn to winter. It's the story of Persephone's descent into the underworld. It's the story of Osiris' death at the hands of his brother Set. It's the phoenix dying in a blaze of fire. And it's Jesus on the cross and in the tomb. Of course, these mythological stories exist not just to explain how the world works out there, but how it works in here. So these are also the stories of you and me. You and me when our relationships falter or fail. You and me when worries about making ends meet keep us up at night. You and me when depression clouds our souls. You and me when concern for the world leaves us immobilized. You and me when one we love dies. You and me when we face our own mortality. These stories of the coming of winter, these stories of death and despair, are not just stories from some faraway people in some faraway time. These are our stories. And while we may want to rush from cross to resurrection... From the first flurry to the first crocus, it is important that we spend some time here. For each of us has what Sarah Moores Campbell calls a tomb of the soul, in which we carry secret yearnings, pains, frustrations, loneliness, fears, regrets, and worries. To gloss over them, to ignore this place in this season, is not to rid ourselves Of it, but rather to ensure that we come back here again and again and again, like an injury left untreated that flares up each time worse than the last. Douglas John Hall has written it is the propensity of religion to avoid precisely suffering, to have light without darkness, vision without trust and risk, hope without an ongoing dialogue with despair. In short, Easter without Good Friday. Perhaps the poet Wendell Berry put it most succinctly, to go in the dark with a light is to know the light, to know the dark, go dark. And if we are to honor life, not just the wonder of it, but the whole of it, not just its triumph, but its truth, then we must learn to honor, even embrace, both winter and the tomb. Anna goes down to the underworld. Baldur is killed by Loki's deadly mistletoe. And you and me, the story is told again and again. Springtime resurrection. The story of spring. Some notice first the forsythia on Preston Avenue. For others, it's the crocus or the Bradford pear. The redbud or dogwood. It's the white, red, and purple blossoms we see on the 250 bypass. We hear the peepers again, and the birds, with their joyful energy, seem to be saying, I'm here and open for business. By the time the azaleas are out, you know that spring is here for sure. Everywhere, things seem to be opening. Our energy seems to be returning with the colors even though we don't know winter at its heart it's harshest we know the return of spring this is what we celebrate today spring has sprung again the story of jesus on the third day the women of Jesus' community went to the tomb to wash and care for the body to their astonishment they found the stone rolled away and the tomb empty Beside themselves, they asked everyone they met, where have they taken him? A man they supposed to be a gardener said, the one you are looking for is not here. But that was hardly helpful. And yet, finding no answer from others, they found one in themselves. Jesus' death on the cross was not the end of the love-filled life they had known. Jesus of Nazareth was still alive, and they ran to tell the others. The companions, still frightened and despondent, were locked together in an upper room. They would not believe the women's story, would not believe that all was not lost. Yet even though the doors were locked, and perhaps their hearts as well, the spirit of their teacher came, assuring them that death is not the end of life. And this is what we celebrate today, that life is stronger than death, and that love is stronger than anything. The story of our lives. There is a promise here, and as Martin Luther noted, the promise is written not just in books, but in every springtime leaf. It's even closer than that. The question is not whether we believe in resurrection, but whether we have known it, known it in our own lived experience, Seen it in the lives of others, felt it in the world around us. Persephone returns to the world of light. Osiris is resurrected by the power of the love of his wife, Isis. The phoenix is born anew from its own ashes. Jesus leaves behind the tomb. Snow and ice melts, giving way to new life. The promise of our Unitarian Universalist faith is the promise of the seasons and these stories winter is not perpetual the wheel will keep on turning the tomb is not the end we affirm the promise of rebirth of resurrection of life's ultimate victory over death of hope's triumph over hopelessness not just as some abstract concept but as the miraculous reality of our lives This is what we celebrate today.